This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. You never get used to it. I'm so happy. I knew that challenge that we were facing today against uh, this incredible opponent. David, for example, trained one day just before the final. He was able to play 90 minutes. So thank you very much to the player for the effort and the performance. Well, the courage of the team, how aggressive we were without the ball, how well we made the decisions to break the pressure of Liverpool and put some issues against them in the back line that they have. And uh, I am pleased that in the second half, I knew we were going to suffer. We don't have the legs. They've been training for two weeks. But uh, we sustained that in the penalties. I think the boys, again, had a lot of courage to, to, to put them right. Well, we are working with the club to try to achieve what we planned. But uh, we know that the market is uh, what it is. I'm happy with the squad that I have. And my job is to make them better. On the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was Arsenal's Mikel Arteta. Buoyant after beating uh, league champions Liverpool in the FA Community Shield. Happy 63rd Medeca, Malaysia. I trust everybody's had a super day. Kick back this evening as we talk football at you. Uh, by we, I mean my fellow Malaysians, Bob Holmes. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Bob. everybody. Happy Medeca, Bob. Happy Medeca. It's my 25th. Well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jess Corkill is also here, another fellow Malaysian. It's my 10th year in this fabulous country, so happy Merdeka, everyone. 10 years too short, Jess. 10 years too short. <laughs> Craig Marias is also here. All right, Craig. All right, boys. How are you doing? Happy Merdeka, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And we love this beautiful country. Thanks for having us here. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Keep the food coming. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, the FA Community Shield, the curtain raiser for the new English Premier League season. Bit weird this year. Uh, they got the Community Shield, then they've got a week's international break, and then the season kicks off. But we, we know about weird stuff. It is 2020 after all. <laughs> Arsenal won, Liverpool won after 90 minutes. Arsenal win 5-4 on penalties. Bob Holmes, it was, a, it was a good game to watch. It was end-to-end. It was kind of exciting. It was. It was surprisingly good, given the circumstances. Um, when you read the reporters' uh, views of this, they talk a lot about the lack of atmosphere and the eerie Wembley surrounds. I mean, a massive ground like that and nobody there. It seemed weirder than most places. Um, so the, for the players on minimal training to get up for it and produce a game as good as that, I think they deserve a lot of credit. Uh, it did seem to matter to them. Um, Arsenal, they, uh, they've had a lot less training than Liverpool. And uh, I don't think they really came into this game thinking they were going to do very much. But uh, they matched Liverpool. And uh, I'd, I'd say a draw was a fair result, to be honest. And then uh, penalties, obviously, a lottery. So all credit to Arsenal. I think Arteta would have been more pleased than Jurgen Klopp, although Jurgen Klopp would be less than devastated. They lost this um, fixture last season. And look what they went on to do. Mm. So he, he won't be too upset. I mean, he likes to win. But um, no, it was, a, it was a very good game, I thought. In, intriguing game. And you saw one or two weaknesses in Liverpool, which uh, could be remedied, I think, by um, spending a bit of money. 
Yeah, all right. Well, let's let's look at the, the both teams. Des Des kicked up a smile when when Bob said all Liverpool have to do is spend money. Um, we'll come to Liverpool in a minute. Let, let's look at Arsenal first, Craig, and and how you think they'll do this season. I mean, again, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Um, not enough words to describe how valuable he is to the North Londoners. Yeah, and he's still yet to sign a contract. Um, I, I don't think Arsenal fans are as worried about that as they were maybe a couple of months ago. Um, I, from, from what we hear, um, it's a done deal. He signed. It's just a matter uh, of doing the formality, which is announcing it. I thought Arsenal were really good, really impressive. Um, and you can see the difference from Arsenal a year ago and, and to what they are now. The eight months or so um, that Arteta has had them, you know, they, they've been absolutely fantastic. Uh, they, they might not have the best players. I mean, they, they've obviously lost Ceballos in that midfield. They had to play El Elneny. Um, I think that's something that they're going to look at to, to, to rectify because I don't believe that El Elneny is going to be um, the starting central midfielder for this Arsenal side. But you look at the... the, the he looked like he was carrying organized. some lockdown weight as well, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it might be something to do with the jersey. There was extra small <laughs> oh, jersey. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you look at the way Arsenal were organised, um, especially defensively. Now, Arteta's come in, he's changed the formation up, three centre-backs, um, and, and it's not their first choice backline by any stretch of the imagination, let's not forget. Um, you've got Kieran Tierney, who's a left-back, playing that left-sided central, central role. Um, you've got Martinez in goal. You know, is he going to start? Is Leonard going to start? You've got Saliba that was sitting on the bench. Um, so, so there are some defensive-minded uh, um, options for, for, for Arteta. I, I just like, I mean, I know everyone's going to gloss over the fact that Obama Yang scored. Um, Saka was great going forward. Uh, defensively is what impressed me because they managed to, to, to hold, even in the second half when they came under a lot of pressure, yeah. they, they still stood firm and Obviously, it was. A, I think they think it's a soft goal to concede, but that was after they made substitutions. You know, Cedric came on for Bellerin and and things like that. So, yeah, all in all, I think Arsenal fans will be very, very happy and looking forward to the season. That's two trophies in in the half season that Mikel Arteta has been at, at Arsenal. Des Corkill. Um we we talk about how winning is a habit, and okay, it's the FA Community Shield, but. It's two trophies. I mean, Arsenal are, are more buoyed than down about it, aren't they? Uh, yeah, they are. Yeah, don't fall into the trap of calling the Community Shield a, a trophy worth winning. Man City went down that route. It's a pre-season friendly. Six substitutes were allowed. Uh, both teams are, are working through. I think what we're seeing from Mikel Arteta, though, is uh, he's starting from the back. I thought Arsenal were very uh, largely uh, defence conscious first. Uh, they're not making mistakes and uh, good teams have solid defences. Uh, David Lewis is uh, seemingly a lot more um, responsible, takes his, uh, takes his defensive responsibilities a lot more seriously under Mikel Arteta. So maybe there's a, a respect that's been introduced there. I wasn't as impressed with them going forward. I think they had two shots on goal in, in the entire 90 minutes until the penalties, which were all superbly put away, by the way. So I, I think what Mikel Arteta is doing is laying a, a solid defensive foundation. Frankly, I was disappointed. I, I can see them not losing games more than going out and, and dominating and winning games. So, um, uh, yeah, solid improvement for Arsenal. It's like the George Graham days, start from the back and uh, be, be solid and kick the ball up to Aubameyang and the Pacey boys up front and hope they produce a little bit of magic. It was magic, but I'm not going overboard with the Arsenal performance. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the goal, the goal that they scored, it was built from the back, wasn't it? And it's this, you know, this pep 
uh, style that we saw for the goal. It yeah. literally started from the goalkeeper, made his way up the field, and it was a crossfield ball to over. So I think you know those are signs that uh, of the style that Arteta wants to play with uh, with Arsenal going forward. And yeah, they weren't fantastic throughout the game going forward, but. If they play like that, and let's not forget, there's no Pepe, there's no William exactly. in that team. Hmm. Uh, they're they're going to strengthen some more. Um, I, I just think it's an exciting time for Arsenal. Yeah, it, it looks good for, for Arsenal in new season, Bob. Um, what, what do you think Arteta's got to add to this Arsenal side? What else do you think he's got to add to this side to make it uh, well, serious contenders? Well... To make them serious contenders, I think he's got to make the, do quite a bit. I think they've, they've got to fight. As it is now, I think they've got an outside chance of making the top four next season. But, I mean, negotiations are, in, uh, are still underway for players, so it's very hard to see. Um, we have to wait until they've signed all their players, I think, before we can make a, an assessment, proper assessment. But it is looking good. Um, I mean, he's stamped his authority on the, the team and the club, I think, immediately. Um, there seems to be a confidence there that wasn't there before. There's a lack of fear that was palpable before under Emery and, and under Arsene Wenger towards the end of his time there. Um, and he seems to have sorted that out without uh, spending any money. Um, a very good organiser, I think, Arteta. And uh, it looks as if Obama Yang is going to stay, which is absolutely crucial. Um, I, I think probably because no one can afford him. Um, I mean, we're not seeing the absolute massive fees, are we? Well, except for one. <laughs> um, <laughs> possibly we, we'll come on to that later. But um, there, there does seem to have been a little bit of a haircut um, in these fees. I mean, even Chilwell went for less than 50 million. Bargain. Um, Bargain for a defender. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, they were asking, they were asking Ball 90. As well. You know, Leicester were asking 90 uh, at the, <laughs> a few months ago. Um, anyway, so he's not got a massive budget, Arteta. Um, so he's got to be fairly prudent. He might have to sack a few more backroom staff mm. to, uh, you know, so that he can afford another player or two. Um, no chuckles there. Um, <laughs> you know, it, uh, but he's, he's doing a very good job. And, it, you know, I can understand the optimism among Arsenal fans. I think he, he's signing this uh, Gabriel Macalese, who's a promising um, young defender from Lille. Um, that might be enough, you know, yeah. at the back. Um, and he's got a surfeit of, of strikers. I mean, he's got Lacazette uh, to, to come back, Pepe, as you mentioned. He's on his way out, though, Lacazette. No, it's not clear, is it? Again, nobody seems to want him. Um, well, wasn't on the bench. At the, for the money Arsenal are asking, anyway. Mm. So, a little bit more sorting out to do, but he's definitely on the right path. And I think he, he's done an excellent job so far. Now, when, when, we, when we're praising Arsenal for this performance, I mean, you, Des, even you mentioned it. It was defensive solidity. And, and that's come from David Luiz, that the free signing from, from Chelsea. <laughs> I know, Bob, Bob chuckled there, and that's exactly, I mean, we've chuckled all the time when we said David Luiz, but maturity, um, and also it kind of highlights the, the mistake Chelsea made in letting him go, because now they've gone and signed Thiago Silva, a 35-year-old, in the same ilk. Um, 
what are your thoughts on that, guys? I think a lot of this is personality. Uh, David Lewis, I think, really respects um, the man who's in the manager's chair. And I think um, it looks like Arteta's told him, I want you to be my leader at the back, uh, just not one of a, a, a back three. I want you to be the, the linchpin at the back. Um, help me t take this through and be a leader on the pitch. And uh, that, that's exactly what he wasn't doing at Chelsea. He was too maverick at Chelsea, made too many mistakes. And last year, under different management, it looks like he, he made mistakes. But yeah, there's no doubt in David Lewis has always uh, been a, a terrific player. You don't get to be uh, Brazil international and get, the, uh, get to the level he has without being a wonderful player. It just, I suspect, thinks that he's got this extra responsibility on his shoulders and he's enjoying it. Plus, he's not being exposed one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. He's got, it's a, it's a back seven. Yeah, I think that's the big Arsenal one. Yeah, that's the big one. Yeah. It, it's a back seven and he's allowed to organise within that tighter space and there his athleticism kicks in. So, yeah, Arsenal will be difficult to beat but whether or not they can go out and win uh, uh, enough games that that remains well that's the next thing you sort your defence out and then you try to get forward all the good teams have done that I think Middle Arteta's um, just reading the, the playbook perfectly yeah and, and, and moving forward I mean man of the match Craig what was a little yeah. bit of a surprise Ainsley Maitland-Niles who celebrated his 23rd on the day yeah. he was good um, playing down that left hand side him and Tierney really double teamed on poor Neko Williams in that first half We'll talk about Liverpool in a sec, but Maitland-Niles, I mean, there's talk of him leaving. Is his future at Arsenal, you think? Well, uh, I think those, those rumours were dispelled very quickly after that game. <laughs> as soon as he dispatched that penalty kick, I think. Um, you know, I think Arteta probably told the board, all right, cancel that deal to Wolves. Um, he, you know, man of the match performance on his birthday, got an England call-up as well, don't forget. <laughs> um, um, straight, straight after. So, I mean... Um, I, I thought it was ridiculous that Arsenal considering uh, selling him because I, I do rate him. Let's not forget he's a central midfield player who went out wide in those fullback positions to do a job for the team. Um, he did it really well, which you know now another question is where his uh, best position are. Um, I, I I just uh, I know Wolves sold Doherty to Spurs, uh, but I think Maitland Niles coming from the academy, he's established himself over the last two two three years. Um, I really think he's got a good prospect now in the England squad. Um, I, I just don't understand why Arsenal would want to sell him, um, other than the fact, uh, like what Bob mentioned, you know, to raise some funds. But even then, he'll be way down on my list to um, uh, of players to sell. So um, I think Arsenal have had a change of heart since the since the Community Shield. So that's good. I mean, um, you know, he came out straight after the match and said, you know, my heart's at Arsenal. I don't want to leave, mm. uh, which which you'd expect. Um, so I think that deal's off. So uh, Maitland now stays. Good, good. All right. Um, we all know that one player, and what a player he is, is on the world market right now. If you've got like something like 700 million or, or, or so. So it's, it's only fair. It's our duty as a football show on radio to try and place him with each club we talk about. So Bob, do you think Leo Messi would fit in at the Arsenal under Arteta? <laughs> I'd like to see the day when Stan Kroenke shells out <laughs> 700 million. Yeah, um, but if you, if you send Gwendouzi the other way, that the price would come. <laughs> Massively, yeah, yeah. No, I mean there's only uh, there's only one club that can uh, realistically afford him, and that's City, and that's why they're favourites to get him. And the latest is that he um, they've offered him. 
a, a massive 750 million pound deal. I mean, this is obscene, absolutely obscene stuff. This is more than the GDP of some African countries. <laughs> I mean, the, the idea is you play three years for City and get 100 million each year, and then two years for New York City, which is under their wing, you know, the, the City Football Group, of which Manchester City are the, the mother ship, as it were. And, uh, and then there's the signing on fee. So, I mean, this is absolutely insane, but, and there's always a but, you can see this is a once in five lifetimes opportunity. Now, City, with all the money in the world, they still haven't become the biggest club in Manchester. You know, there's that barrier there. And uh, this, I think, is the only way they're ever going to get there. And it wouldn't be, assuming fans are allowed back in, it wouldn't be the empty had anymore, would it, if they got him? And imagine the TV ratings and all the rest of it. I mean, it would be a transformative move not just for City, but for the Premier League itself. I mean, the Premier, uh, English First Division has never had Pele, never had Maradona, never had Johan Cruyff, Alfredo Di Stefano, never had those great players. It had Ronaldo, yes, but he wasn't quite that great when he was there. He was becoming great. He's not quite in this league that Messi's in now. An absolute phenomenon, all-time great player. And I think it would do wonders for the... Um, for City and for the Premier League. Not that they need it. I mean, they're already virtually top of the tree anyway. Um, but what a difference it would make. The excitement, the buzz. I mean, even rival managers have acknowledged this. They hope he comes, mm. you know, just, just because of what it would add to the, to, to the game, football at large. All right. If they can afford it, do, yeah. Do, I mean, you know, making it a ridiculous offer like that, doesn't that affect their financial fair play? Okay, well, 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 they know how to get around that, don't they? <laughs> okay, we're, we're going <laughs> to have to under the microscope for. We're going to have to hold that thought. More on the Leo Messi to the EPL question mark question uh, right after the break. Has come up with uh, something beyond the ordinary. That is a brilliantly elastic save. This is on the ball on BFM eighty nine point nine. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, oh, thanks yeah. for sticking with us. Bob Holmes, Craig Marias and Des Corkill here on a Merdeka evening. Merdeka, Merdeka. Talking <laughs> <laughs> football. I do all my own sound effects, you can tell. Um, yeah, we're talking about the, the community shield and, and now we focus on, on Liverpool. It was, it was a weakened Liverpool side, Des Corkill. That, that went out there. Neko Williams looked a bit green. Um, he was bullied a little bit. But, I mean, you can see that Trent Alexander-Arnold was missing. Uh, Henderson was missing in the midfield. But still, it was a pretty strong Liverpool side. And what do you think? Pre-season friendly with a trophy at the end of it. It'd be nice to get the trophy. But it's a pre-season friendly. And um, there's still two weeks ago before the, the start of the season. Uh, mainly, it was a chance, I think, for Jurgen Klopp to see if the fringe players like Neko, uh, like Ryan Brewster, who came on and spectacularly 
made the headlines, uh, which could really impact his career. Yeah, I, I, that's, I, I'd like to talk about that. But um, he's, he's had a little look at uh, some, of, some of those kind of on the sidelines. Uh, he, he moved Fabinho into central defence later on as well. So he was trying one or two things. Obviously, you want to win. Of course, you don't want to lose. And you'd like to, to win the Community Shield because winning is better than, than uh, drawing and then losing on a penalty shootout. But... Um, We'll, we'll just see. We'll just see. Firmino looked uh, half pace. Minamino came on and worked terrifically hard. Was very neat and tidy in and around the edge of the penalty area. Probably deserved his goal. Uh, Salah looked half half interested. It wasn't the real Liverpool out there. But I think it's going to be a really difficult season for Liverpool anyway to maintain those remarkable standards of the last two seasons. Yeah. I expect it yeah. an awful lot closer this year because teams will do what Arsenal did. Sit, sit back and try and hit on the break and try and pull Liverpool onto them. Liverpool normally have got the uh, ability to make the first breakthrough. Uh, on this occasion, they didn't. It results from towards the end of last season and the Community Shield loss. Um, Liverpool have, have maybe lost a little bit of that air of invincibility, Craig. Um, how do they get that back? Do you think Jurgen Klopp needs to sign? They've been very quiet. They've just bought a, a left-back as cover for Robertson. And, and that's it in the, in the market. Does Jürgen need to buy? Definitely. Um, I, I mean, if you look at all the past sides that have won uh, the Premier League, you know, they, they go out and they strengthen. You know, they don't let squads sit uh, and rest in their laurels. And, and I think that's the main thing. I mean, we look at the squad they put out. Necker Williams, I like, I like the idea of promoting youth and, and Neckos from the academy and stuff. Is he ready to step in? Should um, Alexander-Arnold... Um, you know, suffer from an injury or get suspended. I'm not quite so sure right now. I'm not sure, uh, so sure he'd be the answer. I can see someone like Joe Gomez probably filling in there. A little bit more experience uh, going forward. So I think, you know, if I was Klopp, I'd consider sending, out, sending him out on loan, you know, just to toughen him up a little bit. He still looks scrawny um, for me, but that's no different to Trent. He, it's no different to Trent when he first came on the scene, but Trent was a little bit exceptional um, in the fact that he could, play. <laughs> he could play a bit in dead ball, whatever it is. You know, he could play a bit. I think Neko, there's potential there, but he's not quite at that Premier League level. Um, you go to central midfield and you see someone like James Milner. Love him. Great, great, uh, great footballer, um, but hard worker. But he's not a, he's not a first 11 player, is he, for, for Liverpool? He'll come in, he'll do a job for you. That's about it. Um, Let's not forget this talk about Thiago, which that deal is meant to happen in the next couple of weeks. So it's not all doom and gloom for Liverpool. I still doing strikers up front as a position that they need to strengthen on. Mm. Um, you know, Ishmael, Ishmael Saar. Yeah, Ishmael Saar's meant to be coming, Craig. But he's not it's a striker, a though. He's a winger. He's not a striker. Uh, but they, they, that kind of fits the, the, the manner because Liverpool don't have an out-and-out -out striker. No. I mean, I mean he's, a, he's, a, he's a winger. He's played his whole life as a winger. I mean, if you're going to do that, maybe I can see Salah moving up front, which they did when, you know, Fabinho came mm, in, mm, uh, mm. media went out, you know, uh, Salah being that central striker. So, so maybe they might do that. Um, but, but they definitely need to strengthen. And, and this is the sign of good side, you know. I, and I think Klopp knows what he's doing. Um, there's obviously some activity behind the scene uh, to, to, to make signings happen. So, I mean, there's still a long time. There's, there's over a month left in the transfer window. Mm. You know, so I mean, we're, we're all panicking because it's the start of the season um, in, in a couple of weeks. Um, the obviously coronavirus has, has messed up the whole schedule, so everything's going to be a little bit different. And when you see like clubs not really making signings at this stage, I mean, 
it's like three weeks ago since the end of last season. It's too early. It's too early for football. Yeah. So it's really just messed up everything. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Liverpool aren't in the market. Um, it's just that they just haven't got around to it, and they're, they're probably you know negotiating it uh, behind the scenes. Mm. If it does yeah. happen, is, is Thiago going to be the answer for, for Liverpool? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I mean, it, it almost looks too good to be true, doesn't it? I think they need a bit more creativity in midfield. We saw that. We, we all already mentioned the fact that teams are going to sit deeper against them. And for much of the time, they have had uh, a midfield of Henderson, Wijnaldum, and sometimes Milner even. And that's a little bit on the pedestrian side. I mean, even for all that great effort and energy they put in, you need somebody who can unlock the box, unlock the, uh, the gate at the other end. And Thiago is available for less than 30 million. Now he's 29, he's not a spring chicken or anything, but he's just about at his peak. And we saw that in the Champions League final. Wow. For that money, that's his uh, buyout clause. And he wants to come. So I just hope that don't, Liverpool don't get cold feet as they did with Timo Werner for whatever reason. Um, because this, this guy looks absolutely exactly what they want. And he's willing to come. And he's coming for a reasonable price. A, a, almost a bargain, I would say, for a player of that caliber. So... You know, I, I think they will miss out badly if they don't get him. I mean, let's not let's not forget Bayern are doing everything they can to keep him, and, and rightly so. You know, so it, I don't think that it's as straightforward as you know as we think it is. It's not he's available. Let's go out and get him. Yeah. Bayern, even till you know till this day, they're doing everything, heaven and earth, to, to and rightly so as how well. Yeah. He is, and rightly so. Yeah. So um, it, it, yeah, it's it's going to be a complicated transfer. I think. Just one last point. Uh, Liverpool miss Jordan Henderson when he's not there. He's the man who adds the, uh, the little bit of pace between defence and attack. Uh, the other players are, are, are terrific, but Henderson seems to have this uh, X factor. And ever since 2014, uh, he's been a key ingredient. When Liverpool do well, Henderson is playing. Um, and he's, he's, he's absolutely instrumental to his uh, Klopp's leader on the field. The other thing about the transfers, I think Ryan Brewster is being given, is perceived as being uh, good enough to maybe step up. Uh, and then you add Pops Ishmael Saar, you saw the time given to Minamino. And I, I'm not expecting um, a, a big, big moves from, from Liverpool. Uh, the, the club don't do that. FSG don't like to spend stupid amounts of money uh, unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, it's <laughs> just, kind of a, just a kind of a tweak, tweaking what's already there. Let's not forget they'd won the league very, very comfortably last year. True. Well, well I, mean, I think that's the danger there. That is the danger. They won the league so comfortably. Um, obviously, everyone, you know, Man City are not going to sit back and take that this season, aren't they? And, and that is the danger. So, even more of a reason for, for Liverpool to go out and, and strengthen that squad. Um, I, I, you know, we, we've talked about that central area, Thiago, Henderson. Everyone's forgetting Naby Keita. Now, when yeah. he came on, I mean, he's been yeah. fantastic. He, he actually looked good, yeah. Yeah. When, when he, yeah, he's been fantastic preseason. I was very surprised that he didn't start. Um, but when he came on, you saw that, you know, Des, you, you spoke about the missing energy when Henderson was not there. That's what Keita brings. You know, he gets, he, he's a good box-to-box player. Um, I, I really like him, but the question about him is, can he stay fit throughout the season? That's always been his issue since he's come to Liverpool. He, he's a good player. They spent a lot of money on him, don't forget, 50 million. Waited um, for him as well. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So um, uh, I think that could be, you know, if they don't get Thiago, if they can keep him fit, he could be a hidden gem for Liverpool this season. Yeah. All right. I think Minamino also, he actually looked different after he'd scored. Yeah. You could yeah. see, exactly. he, he yeah. really did yeah. look different. I mean, good, good point. No, possibly so. It's all it's, about confidence, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's getting that first goal as well. It's it's important, and, and he could be a, a, a big player, massive player. Yeah, I was I was praying that that, that VAR wasn't going to disallow it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, me too. <laughs> you know. but, but I think with Minamino, we we looked at him and we saw he was good. I think that's because we're comparing him to the impact that Mane and Salah also were having in the game, which was the bare minimum, really. Yeah. Um, they, they weren't at the best. No. But when Minamino came on, he kind of like. Like you said, you know, a little bit more energy, a bit more lively. Mm, mm. Um, you know, it looked a little bit more threatening in the final third. So, I mean, it's easy to catch the eye. Obviously, he, he ended up scoring. So, um, he, like I said, you know, he's had that adjustment period now. Was it eight months now uh, yeah. since he's been there? Um, yeah, don't be surprised if he bursts into the scene. Just to right. see where he fits into that first 11, though. Okay, brilliant stuff. We're going for another break. Stick with us. More right after this. We wondered if he'd make a difference. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. And once more, footballers of all racial backgrounds take a knee to express a united opinion that black lives matter. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. It's a Medeca Day special with Des Corkill, Bob Holmes and Craig Marais in the house. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. The Malaysian Super League is back, well and truly back. Round five matches uh, took place on Friday and Saturday. Des Korkil, Pahang versus JDT was a five-goal thriller. It had everything. Five goals in one half. It had goalie blunders. It had possible comebacks. But JDT, that red and blue machine, just continue to march on, don't they? Yeah, the CIMB League of Super Malaysia, to give it its proper moniker, Ross. Uh, you, you do that with other countries, so <laughs> let's, 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 give, let's give due respect. Uh, see, it's all about money now these days, so we're here with Messi and co. But yeah, it was, it was good to get a, a full uh, set of games back. Uh, Johor looked really, really good for 35 minutes. 3-0 up and cruising against Pahang, who... Um, didn't quite look up the races. Um, a fabulous opening goal from Velasquez. I'll tell you what, any league anywhere else yeah. in the world that's being replayed time and time and time again, he's buried one from 25 yards into the top corner. It's a, a wonderful strike. Sorry, Jess, I'm going to stop you there. It's not, it wasn't even the best goal of the, or uh, best free kick of the, of the weekend, was it? Which was the other? Kuala Lumpur? Oh, different league, different league. I've only seen that on a, a long, long range one. Okay, but good call, good call. <laughs> so, so local, local football is as good uh, and has its moments. And there was also a kid called Ramadan who came on, um, mm, a young mm. lad who's come through the ranks at Johor. And mm. we're all, all hearing about Safari Rashid and his potential move to Portugal. Ramadan is the man who got the start. He barnstormed his way through to a second goal, won a penalty uh, as well, uh, made a real contribution to Johor. And then five minutes before halftime, they gave away a stupid goal, conceded from a corner and set up a nervy second half. But they were good winners. But the team, I think, since the comeback has been Tringanu. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to link into that one very nicely because they are a threat to JDT. Indeed. Tringanu continue their win. Uh, in, on Saturday, Craig, 
Trungganu for Sabah nil. Uh, we spoke about them in our last uh, Malaysian football chat about how they could be the ones, and and yeah, they they're looking, they they're climbing up the table, looking like the real deal. Playing in a beautiful stadium as well. Uh, let's not forget. Um, yeah, they, they are. They are. You know, they're, they're gelling really nicely. To um, I, I liked it. You know, at the start of the season when they were putting the squad together, the signings that they were making, it was very interesting. I think the key to this is, is Dominic the Silva as well, um, and seeing how he came in. And you know, they, they made a lot of changes um, to their forward line um, in terms of the imports. Um, but Dominic the Silva, he's come in, and we um, saw how he did against PJ City. Uh, scored a couple of really good goals. Um, and, and he's continuing his form. And, and for me, it's so important. If, if, if your forward line is striking, you know, because you've got creative players around it, you know, your lead tucks and everything, he's always going to contribute in the final third. But, you know, if, you need that guy up front to, to really put those chances away. And, and I think uh, Nafauzi, uh, the, the Trungani coaches, mm. has really put a good squad together. And speaking to some of the boys as well, the quality of those training sessions is top, top class. Don't forget, he, you know, he was the understudy to George Boateng at Clamton as well. Um, so, so, you know, he's had a good you know, mentor to kind of look up to in terms of training and how he wants to set up his teams, how he wants them to play. Um, but they're playing really good, good football. And, um, yeah, they, they, they'll be pushing uh, for that title as well. If I can just build on what uh, Craig was saying, uh, I, I think the local signings, Nasser Basharudin, he's the kind of anchor in midfield. And Faiz Nasser, tell yeah. you what, he's, he's literally... Coming back. He's, He's five foot nothing uh, and he gets in these little pockets of space and he helps play. So it's not just about the foreigners. It, it is about um, a freedom to play on a beautiful pitch at Tringanu. It was relayed. Uh, MFL helped them to, to relay that pitch and they're playing on the floor football. Brian Clough would approve mightily. Um, and it's, it's really, really nice to watch. And they've got a game against JDT in two weeks' time. Yeah. Three points the difference at the moment. Yeah, it could, could. Everyone's saying this is JDT's league, particularly after Salango's draw and Perak's yeah. loss, but Trungano are right in the mix. Yeah, J just to look never at... Thought, uh, sorry, never thought I'd hear Brian Clough's name mentioned when talking about the Malaysian league. <laughs> just for you, that was, Bob. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, looking at the other results, Des touched on it, uh, Craig. It, so, uh, it was a surprising result. Perak nil, yeah. Malacca United oh. won. It's important for Malacca. I, for me, what, what it means is Malacca are, are solidifying their status as a Super League side, which hasn't... It, well, it's not been clear recently. I mean, but they're looking like a, 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 they're here to stay, really. I'm not so surprised by this result, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think it was on our last show that, you know, Perak's name got branded about, you know, really, I think Des might have done that, you know, pushing for the title. I, I just don't see it with Perak. I, I really don't. Um, you know, they, they haven't impressed me over the last few years. I mean, obviously, they won the Malaysia Cup and, you know, it was a good run, but uh, they, they had a decent team that, then. Um, I don't think they have the same quality anymore. Um, Malacca, on the other hand, you know, on paper, fantastic squad. You know, if you if you if you're looking at it, but the problem is is, is off field, yeah. In terms of management, how how the how the club has been run, um, and, and it and like most cases with Malaysian football, it translates onto the pitch. You know, if the players are happy and taken care of off the field, 
they're, they're putting the performances on the field. Why? Why and, don't you know, the the upper people can? Why can't they see this link? Why can't football people can. see this link? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that uh, we we got that for another show, I'm sure. Because <laughs> uh, we'll be here all day. You know, I can, you know, uh, okay. What well, what's gone wrong at, at Salangor? I, I saw Sathya Narvan's post-match interview. Mm. Where where he was just defiant. I'm the coach, you know. I I, I fight for my players. I keep pressure. It's not going right at the moment. They it's a, it's a shortened league. Des, as you mentioned, it's a sprint, so it's ever so important to 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 get results. And and you look at this Langos squad they've they've got for the yeah. season. It's not a bad squad, right? Rufino is still there. Very good squad. And at the start of the season, um, I was certainly thinking that this was good enough to actually push Johor all, all the way. There's, there's um, off-field, as in fans are, are, are invading social media and putting an awful lot of pressure on, on Satya. And one result, if they'd have won the game against PJ, because they hit the bar, they were by far the better team. Uh, Kalamula uh, had a, a very good game in goal for PJ, who just sat back and absorbed all the pressure they could. It's one of those where a couple of results change the confidence. We mentioned it in Minamino for Liverpool. A, a, a couple of good results change the confidence, but they needed, I believe, that first result to go their way, and it hasn't. And so the, the pressure does begin to build because they're now seven points adrift of Johor Darrell Taxi, and there's only six games remaining. Mm. So the chances of a title rely upon Johor losing to Berak or Tringanu and Salanga actually beating Johor. Uh, when, when, when they play. So the pressure is just racked up a little bit, but the players there are good. Uh, Sandro's a good player. Brendan Ganza, a good player. Um, the, the, the local players are, are good players. So um, it, one result, one, one little tweak, one little bit of fortune going their way, and it could still turn around for Salando. Yeah, I think, you know, going back to the Sathya situation, you know, he's been under pressure since he, since he got the job, to be honest with you. Um, he doesn't deserve he all, the, all the rubbish. He doesn't. I mean, you're talking about a credible coach here. You know, he's done it all in Malaysia, to be fair. You know, he's been, you know, national team coach and, you know, coached some of the biggest uh, sides in Malaysian football. So he definitely doesn't deserve what he's getting. Uh, but at the same time, you know, let's not forget, you, you come to a club which demands so much. And, you know, they, they've, they've obviously had the years, you know, where they haven't been anywhere close to the top. Yeah, I know they got the Malaysia Cup not too long ago as well. But, you know, in terms of competing for the league, it hasn't really happened for them. Um, and I think, you know, now with the money coming into Slangor, there's a certain expectation uh, for, you know, Slangor to be up there and beating teams like PJ City. Um, and like I said, you know, they were the better team. They just couldn't hit the back of the net. I don't think they, they were good enough in the final third, if you ask me personally, um, in terms of creating chances. You know, you, you said they hit the bar and all that, but there wasn't enough chances in um, for, for the for PJC to keep it to deal with. Um, you know, if I'm a Slango fan and I watch that, I can understand the frustration. Uh, but, you know, in the friendlies leading up to this match, it hasn't, they haven't really set the world alight either. Yeah. You know, they, they've had their internal friendlies, they've had... Uh, you know, friendly cheer in there. They haven't been amazing either. But, you know, that that's obviously to do with a lot of squad rotations and substitutions within the match itself. So maybe we can't look too much into it. I just feel they're just lacking a little bit. I love Rufinho. Um, I think he's a good player. But he, he's getting on. He's, he's not that young anymore. I'm, I'm not sure if that is a position where they, you know, next season, obviously, they, they might need to tweak. Okay. They've got Ifadeo. They've got six games. and uh, Ifadeo just came back, don't forget. Yeah. He, he literally just came back last week. 
Oh, earlier this week, yeah. All right. Malaysian football uh, has a, a week's rest. Uh, the MSL resumes on Friday the 4th, Saturday the 5th. Selangor are away at Sabah. If ever there was a must-win game for Satya, that would be it. Yeah. Uh, Malacca yeah. United against Trunganu should be very interesting and tasty. That's a Friday 9pm kickoff. JDT against Perak. Yeah. Saturday, you've got Kedah mm-hmm. against PJ City. UITM against Pahang and PDRM against Felder. We didn't even get a chance to mention Kedah. They're quietly coming along nicely up to fourth. Uh, That's our Malaysian football update for you. Stay tuned. We're back right after this. Lovely football. Speed of that passage of play. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. A two-goal lead. A picture for goal. And that should be job done. Stay on the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Bob, Des and Craig here on Medeca Evening. Uh, looking back at the football, looking forward to the action as well. It's the international break, don't you know, coming up before the EPL season starts. <laughs> because it's 2020. Uh, it's also the second edition of UEFA's newest national team competition. If you remember that far back, Portugal took the first uh, Nations League title on home turf in 2019. Um, it actually drew praise. Uh, from across the continent, it, 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 it basically killed off friendly ties, meaningless friendly ties. It's given nations a chance to fight. And what, what it is, in a nutshell, 55 associations are split into four leagues. You've got leagues A to D. Obviously, the, the big teams are in League A. There are four groups there. Teams like Netherlands, Italy, England, Portugal, France, Spain. All in Group A. In Group B, you've got your Austrias, your Norways, Northern Ireland, Serbia, Russia, Wales, Republic of Ireland. Uh, in Group C, you've got your Cyprus, Luxembourg, Azerbaijan. Group D, only two, uh, League D rather, only two groups in there. Your Faroe Islands, Malta, Gibraltar, San Marino, according to Bob Holmes. Teams that should not have any reason playing football. No, I never said that. I, I said pretty much what they've done, actually. Put them in, uh, divide them up and give them yeah. a chance by all means. Well, but don't it, have it's, them it's spoiling the, the big league. What basically happens is it's, it's all about League A, that the four group winners will, will progress to a contest. You, you'll find a winner and all that. That's fine and well. But for groups B, C and D, it's all about relegation and promotion into the next league above or the one below. So it has made football exciting. Um, just, just looking forward very broadly, because the games are Thursday morning, I believe. You've got League B in action. So that's your Republic of Ireland. They're in action. Wales are, are in action. Um, Bob, how, how do you think? Ryan Giggs and Wales is, is going to fare. I mean, they've got not a lot to work forward, look forward to. Um, this would be big for them. I mean, it's an away tie at Finland. It's one they probably think they can take. Well, Wales, um, I mean, they were one of those uh, countries that uh, have the capability of going the distance or almost the distance. Don't forget, they got to the semi-final of the European Championships uh, not so long ago, they have a couple of world-class players. 
Um, and most of the players are playing in a in a higher league. If they're not all in the Premier League, they're in the or, or championship. Uh, or golf. Or golf. One, one, <laughs> one is, I'm surprised he hasn't qualified for the Masters, actually. Um, he, he's the I, only one he hasn't pulled out yet. There's, there's been a couple of pullouts, and he hasn't pulled out yet. We, we well, can categorically say that uh, Gareth Bill is fit. Oh, oh, that's yeah. who you're talking about, is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Wales, yes. I mean, they've, uh, they, they're capable on their day of, of beating just about anybody. Um, but uh, it, they've all got to play. And the problem with this is, although we've sung its praises, this is a tournament I'm talking about, it was an undeniable success compared to having all these meaningless friendlies. Mm. Yes, but to have an international break before the season even starts, you know, there's something wrong there, isn't there? I know it's been a long time for the national managers like Gareth Southgate. He took a cut in salary, very decent of him, but he hasn't done anything for about eight months, has he? Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they didn't have their um, planned breaks in March. They didn't have the international breaks which they were supposed to, because there was no football at all. Mm. So it's been a long time, to be fair to these guys, it's been a long time since they had their players together. But I still think it's wrong to have the break before the thing starts, you know? Um, can't they just delay it a bit and just, just postpone these breaks and have the second one going into early December or something? Um, but that, there's always going to be a cock-up with UEFA. Um, but getting back to the tournament, yes, um, it's a big improvement. Uh, it means uh, countries have got to take it a bit more seriously. And uh, they, were, they were doing, and there were some good matches. Even some, some of the England matches were actually quite entertaining, <laughs> if you remember, um, which is remarkable in itself. Uh, so altogether, yes. But my big quibble is the, uh, the date it's coming back. And it means, like Bayern Munich, for example, you look at the German squad, you're looking down there, goalkeepers, Neuer's not there. Mm. You know, you look, they're on an extended break because they've only just finished playing, haven't they? Um, the Champions League was only just over a week ago. Uh, so, the, you know, you're seeing the effects of this extended season. And by... Having, the, uh, having that, it demeans the importance of this tournament, surely. I mean, if, if the top players are not there, then the whole thing is devalued. So again, so when, well, when would you have it? When would you have the games? Well, you've got to have them. Um, I'd, have it, I'd have them sometime when the next schedule break is. I'd have it then, and I'd just shove everything back. I would just reduce this um, thing even even more. I think that there is too much football. I think we all agree on that. The only thing I've seen in terms of cutting back was the um, absence of extra time in the community shield. So we clawed back half an hour there. They went straight to penalties. Last year, they played extra time. Um, so that's half an hour gained. But that's all I can see. We've still got the Carabao Cup. You know, we've, we've still got all that. They're trying to squeeze the FA Cup in. And then you've got next, at the end of this season, you've got the European Championships, the proper European Championships. 
And then, of course, we go on to World Cup year mm. after that. And they've mm. already got to bring the season forward to accommodate the World Cup, uh, you know, when, when that is taking place. So obviously the pandemic was something you can't blame UEFA for, but I don't think... But it sounds like you is, are, Bob. It sounds I don't like you're think, saying I don't they think. should have taken the pandemic into account. And they can't. <laughs> Those things have got to fit in. Carabao Cup is important not only for the big clubs, but for the smaller clubs who are going to the wall in their droves. They need that as, as a, an, an income generator. It's not all about the winning of it. It's about the income it can generate for the, for the, for the smaller clubs. And yeah, I didn't say cancel the Carabao Cup. I said, no, but, I said but, postpone but you're this. That you're complaining there's too much football and, and the pandemic kick, uh, kicks in. So I, I'm not quite sure when they would play. Yeah, well, well I, it, it, we, we, we put a lot of focus on, on league sides, Des, and it is important for in, international managers to, to get together as well. And, and you know, it's, it's been a while, right? Indeed. I'm on your, I'm on your side there. I'm, I'm on your side. I'm thinking that uh, uh, we, we put all this massive importance on the money of the, of, the, of, the, um, of the domestic leagues and we sometimes forget about the importance and the pride that international football can bring. And uh, if, if you're just going to shoehorn it into the Nations Cup, which was successful by all accounts, yeah. it was successful. Yeah. It got rid of the friendlies, which everybody hated. So it was successful, so it deserves its place. It's only England that's starting this week. Uh, Russia has played six already. Other, other leagues are, are going already. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure how UEFA are meant to accommodate every single nation that plays in the Nation's League. Uh, it shouldn't just be about appeasing the... Can, 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 I just say, can I just say that this is, you know, as we, you know, laud UEFA for coming up with this and, you know, say how fantastic the, uh, the Nation's League is, it's an absolute nightmare for club managers. Because it's the last thing that they need for their players to be playing competitive matches every so. Every Imagine season. getting injured in that and then coming back. Well, and well that's it. That's it. You know, and that, that yeah, re reignites the the whole club versus country war. Um, you know, players, and I think as a result of that you might see a few more players being pulled out, uh, top players being pulled out of these sports um, with their hamstrings and their ankle knocks and this, that, the other. <laughs> in inverted uh, once columns, the season yeah. starts, yeah. Um, but you know it's fantastic for us as fans to watch it. Obviously, getting up in, in weird hours of the morning, but for, from a club perspective, uh, for the managers and everyone, I think it's an absolute nightmare. All right. Well, there we have it. Um, you Nations League football is happening Thursday, Friday, all the way through the weekend. We'll be back on Friday. This is actually our last Monday show of the season, but normal service on BFM Radio is resumed throughout September. Well from September onwards. For now, let me say thanks to the guys. It's thanks to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks to Des Corkill. Uh, League of Malaysia. CNB League of Super Malaysia on your screens Friday and Saturday of this week. Local football. Don't forget it. I was just going to say, CIMB Liga Malaysia, Des. Get it Liga right. Super Malaysia. Liga <laughs> Super Malaysia. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, Craig Marias. Thank you, guys. Uh, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Happy Madeka, everyone. Yeah, happy Madeka. I'm off for my Rumley burger. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. It is now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.